Glad you chose to join us this morning, uh, especially if you're a visitor. Uh, like Leah said before, we're, uh, we're glad that you're here. And as a church, right now we're going through a sermon series uh, we're calling Big Questions. And so we want our people, as well as our visitors, to know that uh, faith, the Bible, Jesus, and, and Jesus' gospel, it's not just something theoretical. It's not just uh, something that's true even though it is true, but it's also something that's really practical, something that's meaningful and actually changes our lives and changes how we do it and see the world. And so we're asking you as a church to submit the big questions that you have, the questions that you are wrestling with and struggling through and, 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 and are wondering, questions about faith, about the Bible, about the Christian life, about Hiawatha Church specifically. And uh, this week, our, like uh, you heard Mark say, this week, we're going to answer a question about work. And a lot of you are saying right now, yes, my favorite thing to talk about. You're saying, it's my day off, and I get to think about what I left behind last week. But we are going to talk about work today, and we're going to talk specifically about how God uses work in the Christian life, for Christians, how God uses work, our jobs and our vocations and all the work we do that we get paid for or that we don't get paid for, how he uses that work to spread the gospel. And so this question has both like a big picture and a small picture uh, lens to it. Or, or this question is asking, how as a whole church is God using our work together to spread the gospel? But it also has an individual uh, kind of slant to it as well. Whatever work I'm in, how does God use it to spread the good news of Jesus' perfect life, his death on our behalf, his resurrection, and his invitation to all of us to trust in that. So our big question today, it's kind of actually summarizing a bunch of questions about work that uh, both we got for this series, as well as questions uh, people ask us all the time, and we ask ourselves about work. Questions about, uh, I hate my work, but is God still sovereign over it, even though I really don't enjoy it? Or is the only part of my job, or sorry, the only point of my job to share the gospel with coworkers? Is that the only reason Christians are called to work? Or maybe people are asking, should I make the most money possible so that I can give the most amount of money possible? Is that the whole point of work? Or questions about uh, expanding conversation starters so that we can uh, share our faith and invite people from uh, our vocations, from our work to church, as well as conversation starters and how, how to follow up after invitations. Or maybe for some of us, uh, it might seem as if our, our works, our vocations, are the main way that we have overlap with non-Christians. Maybe the majority of our friends are fellow believers and so work is one of the few places in your life where you're surrounded by people who do not uh, trust and follow Jesus. But before we start, let's define work, or, or the way that I'm going to use work today. So work is so much more than just a nine-to-five or something that you get paid to do. Work also includes things like yard work or volunteering at your kids' schools, serving at your church, taking care of your kids, spending time with others, studying, uh, practicing for sports teams, etc., and so much more. So this is what work is. So any type of, uh, so, so doing work, it's so much more than just a vocation or a job. So people who are retired or people who are full-time students right now or stay-at-home moms or, or others who don't have a, a paying job right now but still fill their days with doing work. So today's sermon is for all of us, not just people who get paid for the work that they do, but for all of us. So today, when I say work, think of that. Think of the work that, the, what, what we uh, spend our time and energy working towards and, and in doing. And in order to understand our big question and kind of how we got there, as well as just how many of us view work, we're going to look at a very brief, simplified, and generalized uh, just history of work in America for the past few generations. So this is definitely a generalization, so don't email me if you know one person who has a different experience than this. But in general, a few decades or a few generations ago, so for many of us, our grandparents or our great-grandparents, they saw work 
as, as you know, they're coming out of the wars or the Great Depression, and they're just, they're just grateful to have any type of work. They know times of, of great poverty, and so they see work as just a way to survive and as a way to provide for yourself and one's family. So they're just grateful to have any type of work, no matter what. And even if this isn't uh, our, our, our grandparents or great-grandparents, just think of like a, a, an immigrant family or a refugee family that's come to America, to a, an, another country, and they're just grateful to have any work. They're, they're not necessarily trying to be completely fulfilled or to reach the American dream or to become incredibly rich. They're just glad that they have a job. And then after that, the next generation, they were hoping more than their parents that work would be a little more fulfilling, okay? It still wasn't going to be, they weren't going to be paid to do their hobbies, yet they knew more than their parents that work was probably going to be a little more fulfilling and that they would have more options in order to make a living. But it was still work. They still knew work is work. Work is tough. Work is, is, is not usually fun. Thus, that's why someone pays me to do it, Right? And I remember uh, working one of my first jobs in high school as a you know, stock boy at a grocery store and complaining about it to my dad. And he's like, well, son, that's, that's why they pay you to do it. Work is uh, usually something that takes energy and, and is not always fun. But then move on to the next generation, or, or many of us here in this room, especially if you are younger, work, uh, the way we view work, just growing up in, in a lot of affluence and lots of opportunities in our life, we view work as something that needs to be fulfilling. So it needs to be something that is mostly fun, or at least fun some of the time, and it's life-giving. It's not draining and stealing my soul every time I enter whatever that work is. So work needs to be fulfilling as well as it needs to be meaningful. So I'm not just making rich people richer. I'm not just doing something that's making our world a, a worse place, but I'm making money for it but rather they want to have work that's meaningful, that makes this world a better place, that actually has a positive impact. And so this is partly why you see a lot of younger people uh, forego the, tradi the traditional rat race of trying to climb the corporate ladder, and instead they want to do things that make this world a better place, that things that actually have meaning. And so whether that's taking a few years off to do Peace Corps or Teach for America or something like that, or whether it's foregoing the American dream and, and, and uh, pursuing a career that can make them a lot of money and instead would rather be a part of a nonprofit or a part of some type of uh, startup that is, is doing something positive socially. So think of things like Tom's Shoes or, or Warby Parker or many other options like that. So they're willing to forego higher paychecks and benefits in order to make the world a better place. So that's just kind of the reality of how many people have thought of work in the past few generations here in America. So how should we view work? As Christians, for those of us in this room who are Christians, how, how does God use work in our life? And that's the question that was asked this morning. As Christians, what does God want to do through and in my work? If you want to learn more about this topic, we're not going to unpack uh, what the Bible has to say about work and the theology, the rich theology of, of uh, vocation and work. Um, we just don't have time for this. We've actually preached on it before. But um, if you want a more comprehensive understanding of what work is, how God sees work, how God chooses to use work in the world, the good, the bad, the gospel, practically how it's played out in all different places, uh, there's this book called Every Good Endeavor by uh, Tim Keller and Kathy Leary Aldsdorf. We're actually selling copies or giving them away if you don't have money. I think it's like 15 bucks, but we're selling them for five bucks today. So if, if this topic really interests you, but you just want way more than we're able to cover this morning, just through these doors on, on the table there, there's just a bunch of these books. Feel free to uh, grab one for five bucks, or if you don't have any money, just let it be a gift from Hiawatha to you today. Really great book. Um, and actually, Tim Keller, who's a pastor and and uh, Kathy uh, Alstorff, who's also at his church, they're at a church in Manhattan. So they're in New York City at like the center of culture and, and the workplace here in America. They actually, so back to our big question today, they actually see work and, and using work as mission as the, the biggest and best way to reach New York City. And they put 
the vast majority of their resources towards outreach and mission and evangelism into this program that, that links work and uh, helps Christians to use their work to spread the gospel. So um, anyway, that book's out there if, if that would be helpful to you. So despite the obvious challenges, stress, and suffering that work does bring to many of us, so we're not going to talk about that today. We're not going to unpack how work sucks, why it's boring, why it's hard, why it even brings suffering into our lives for 40-plus hours every week. For many of us, that is true, but we're just going to acknowledge that that's the case. But we want to start off by talking about how work is actually a gift. It's given to us, all humanity, by God for many great and good reasons. So the first one, the first way that we, we can know and see that work is actually something that's good, in and of itself, work can be good, because it's given to humanity before the fall. So like Mark saying in our song just a few minutes ago, God created all of the world, all of the universe and everything in it. He created humanity as the pinnacle of his creation. And then he said, image me, image God by a bunch of different things. And one of those is by working, by having dominion over creation, by subduing the earth, by, by filling it and multiplying and having kids and creating cities and, and building culture, all as a way to image God through our work. And right after that, it says, and God looked at the way that he had created the universe and he said it was good. So this is before sin and evil and, and thorns and thistles and and pain and suffering had entered the world. God created humanity. He created the world and created work and said it was good. It's a way that we are able to image our God, which kind of moves on to our second one. Work is good because it, let, it lets us mirror or reflect or be a picture of our God. So unlike all other creation, animals and plants, humanity was given the unique gift of being image bearers of God. And one of the ways we do that is through mirroring God through work. So God is the ultimate creator. He's the ultimate worker. He spent six days creating the universe and everything in it. He took chaos and made order. He took darkness and brought forth light and beauty. He's a God who works and creates. And when he made humanity, he said, you're going to image me. You're going to image me through doing the same thing, taking chaos and bringing order out of it, taking raw materials and bringing beautiful stuff out of it. So whether it's gardens or cities or cultures or human beings creating life and, and, and raising humans, we're able to image our God through that. We are many mirrors that are supposed to reflect our God. We're called to create life through pro procreation. We're called to create culture and art and gardens and culture and civilizations. Humanity is called to care for all life, both human life and animal life and plant life as well. In essence, just like God, we're called to take raw materials and chaos and organize them into something greater, which is all designed, again, to reflect and image our God. Also, work is good, too, because we see in the new heaven and the new earth, when Jesus returns and ushers in eternity, there will be work there as well. Both in the New Testament and the Old Testament speak about there being work in eternity. And work will be there in a, in a restored and redeemed type of way. So unlike what maybe some of us have seen in stories or culture or media or something, eternity or heaven will not be us, you know, sitting on clouds, in diapers, playing harps for all eternity, which actually sounds a lot more like hell than heaven <laughs> to most of us. But actually, the, 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 when Jesus returns, the new, uh, new heaven and the new earth will be a restored, a recreated, a redeemed version of this world, and in it will be work as well, without the thorns, without the thistles, without the pain and the suffering. And so we don't know exactly how this looks, but we know there will be work throughout eternity, work that's fulfilling, work that's life-giving, work that resembles fully our God. The Old, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he spoke of how in this new uh, earth, people would build and construct homes, and there'll be farmers and vineyards and winemakers. And at the very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we get this even fuller picture of what the new earth will look like. And we see a city flourishing with, with culture and people working and, and different cultures, different languages, different kings, 
coming together, bringing all their glory and wealth and creation and culture into this great city. And we see this great celebration of how Jesus restores the world. So restored and redeemed work will be in the new earth. So for Christians, our eternity will be something with uh, some type of work in it as well. And then finally, work is good because it's the main way that God provides for us. So finally, maybe the most obvious one, or when you just think of work, you think it's a means to an end. It's a means to a paycheck. It's a means to insurance. It's a means to retirement. And so God uses work as a way to provide for us. He uses our jobs and our vocations, especially for those of us who are getting paid for the work, in order to provide for us, in order to sustain us. But we often forget this, especially living in America. We think that our success, our job, our money, our retirement, our resources, our toys are completely because of our own hard work. We are self-made men and self-made women living the American dream, thinking that everything we have, our education, our, our health, our toys, our investment, our job title, our security, is all uh, solely earned by ourselves and our hard work and our great decisions. But when we do this, when we think it's all about ourselves and about our own work ethic and our own brilliance and our own wise decisions, we forget that all these things are given to us by God. And so instead, the Christians should thank God for each one of these things, the, the, the parents that raised them, the country that you were born in, the time period, the education you received, the, the circumstances throughout your life, the teachers and coaches and, and youth pastors and all different kinds of people that poured into your life, seeing those as gifts from God, thanking him and acknowledging that the way that God is providing and caring for and protecting you is through all of those things. So even things like our paycheck, our salary, our retirement, our investments, our insurance, our gifts from God. Because God could have, right? He could have just chosen to snap his fingers and rain down manna from heaven and sustain humanity through that, right? He has even done that in the past. Yet, he chooses to sustain the earth through, through farmers and through bakers and through shop owners and through brewers. God could have chosen to just create grown, mature adults like he did with Adam, right? He could have just formed all of us like that, but he chose not to. He chose to give us work. And so we raise children. People are school teachers. People are coaches. People are friends. And people are mentors. And so God uses work, all different kinds of work, as means to provide for us. Okay, so we've seen how work can and is designed as good. So now let's get to our big question. How does God use work to spread the gospel? How does God use the work that we do, the jobs that we have, the, the stuff we create in order to spread the gospel? So the good news of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and the forgiveness of sin and salvation we can receive if we put our faith in that. So first way he does it is he does it through deed. Just a little bit, we'll talk about God spreading the gospel through word as well, but let's first start with deed. How does God do this? The first way he does this is through our work being a demonstration of the gospel. So the good that you're doing in your work, whatever type of good that you're doing, it can embody the gospel or show off the gospel in a picture form or in uh, a, a way for someone to see like a, a truth of the gospel. So it embodies the gospel, and it also gives credibility to this gospel that you are preaching, this gospel that you're sharing with others. So there's very obvious ones where our jobs, the good we do, demonstrate the gospel. So we have people in our church who work for nonprofits, and the work that they do is uh, bringing stability in reunification among HIV and AIDS-affected families, or others who are running nonprofits that are helping fight sex trafficking, those obviously demonstrate the gospel by showing God's love for the vulnerable, the weak, the hurting, and the suffering, and how he moves towards them to bring healing and salvation and life. 
Or many of us in this room are parents, and that's a huge part of the work that we do right now. And that embodies the gospel and shows off the gospel, gives a picture to a God who calls himself Father. And so when we parent well, when we guide our children, when we protect them, when we provide for them, when we teach them, it, it, it shows off the gospel in picture form. It allows our children and then people watching it to see, wow, God's kind of like that in, a, in an even greater, more perfect type of way. But it's not just the obvious jobs or obvious vocations or obvious work that demonstrate the gospel. Here's some more less obvious ones, but ones that are just important. Other types of work that can embody the gospel, that can demonstrate it through deed as well. Maybe you're an artist today, maybe a songwriter, interior designer, you do graphic designer, any type of art that embodies the gospel or demonstrates it through showing God as a, as a creative God, a God who creates beauty, God who uses, or, or, or uh, as artists too, we see them using art to speak to the realities of life that we go through, the highs and the lows of life and show how there's hope in the gospel. Or maybe you're a teacher in education. And part of your job is you guide, you teach, you lead, you care for students, young or, young or old. That can embody the gospel or, or show off the gospel or help people understand the gospel by pointing to a God who does those same things as well. A God who's patient and gentle with us, who deeply cares for us, who leads us and teaches us and wants us to grow into full maturity. Teachers value teaching truth and helping with understanding and investing in the future of those who are younger than us, all of which Jesus first did for us. And Christians are called to do in the church as well. Or maybe your vocation or work is in, in social work or counseling. That vocation or that type of job looks like or embodies or points towards the gospel by reminding us that the Holy Spirit is called the great counselor the mighty counselor, the giver of peace. And you, if you work in this field, you have a deep value of helping hurting people and helping hurting relationships. And is a great example of what Jesus came into the, this world to do, to help those who are hurting and relationships that are broken and not just on an interpersonal or an emotional or a mental level, that as well as on a spiritual and even an eternal level. So notice, too, I just listed off five different occupations or, or vocations here. Notice that we didn't even mention someone who's doing ministry vocationally, someone who's getting paid to spread the gospel or to do ministry. And we did this intentionally because the danger is for many of us to see that only people who get paid to do ministry, only church planters and global missionaries and, and people who are on staff at churches, only their work counts as spreading the gospel. Only their work can embody or demonstrate the gospel through deed, but that's just not true. And we'll continue to unpack how all work can demonstrate the gospel as well as uh, explicitly share the gospel through words. So the second way that the gospel is used by, or second way that work is used by God to spread the gospel through deed is by creating the means for the gospel to spread. Creating the means for the gospel to spread. So one way we see this is by us receiving, many of us in our work, receiving money and resources for the work that we do. Work provides us the needed resources to spread the gospel. So things like giving money generously or things like health insurance or uh, retirement or th things like that. And we know we don't like talking about money, most of us. Uh, many of us have had negative experiences within the context of a church uh, talking about money as well, so we often don't like talking about it as, as people. But in order to plant churches, in order to send global missionaries, in order to make a Sunday morning happen, to pay an electric bill and to buy communion supplies and to have a thriving youth ministry or children's ministry, etc., costs money. Jesus in his ministry talked a lot about money, one of his uh, teachings in Matthew 6, he talks and teaches, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus doesn't say, have no connection to any type of treasure ever. That's foolishness or that's wrong or sinful. But rather he says, use whatever money or resources that God has given you, most of us through, through our jobs, use that to build treasures that will last, to build treasures that will extend into eternity, that will build the kingdom. And then your heart, your emotions, your joy will follow and be linked to that as well. So use the treasure, use the resources, use the money that you're given by God through your work in order to help build the kingdom. Invest in things that will last for eternity. And more than just money, our work work can also give us resources that, again, can demonstrate the gospel, that can demonstrate things like generosity and kindness and care and protection and healing that God gives us through the gospel. So when someone uses their, their health insurance or uses their retirement to care for their family members, it shows a small picture of what our God is like, who cares for and provides and protects for us who are in Christ, those of us who are in his spiritual family. This gives a tangible and powerful picture of our God who cares deeply for us and who brings and offers spiritual healing as well. But not only does work create money and resources for Christians to spread the gospel, but it also indirectly creates other necessities for the gospel to spread. Which is this one is maybe uh, not as obvious, or maybe we haven't thought as much about it. So work allows us as humans to, to build these type of things, things like cities and cultures and all types of things that create human flourishing that indirectly allow the gospel to spread. So my wife, she used to be uh, an engineer uh, working for a company that made fiber optic cables, and it wasn't a job that she was passionate about. It wasn't something that gave her a lot of life, nor was very fulfilling. But together, we just had many conversations about this and, and uh, thought about how God in his sovereignty chose to communicate the gospel, chose to spread the gospel through things like the internet, through things like fiber optic cable. He could have, and in the past has, communicated his word and his good news and his gospel through things like dreams, through things like angels, but he doesn't always do that. And now he's choosing to spread the gospel through things like high-speed internet, right? How many of us have listened to a Christian podcast or a sermon or shared prayer requests via the city or an email, read a gospel-centered blog, watched an, an encouraging or challenging video on YouTube, shared biblical or theological resources on the internet, right? All of us have, maybe even multiple times a day. And so my wife's job, although not directly and explicitly sharing the gospel, was still used and still important in the way that God is choosing to uh, spread the gospel throughout the world. Or maybe you're a construction worker and you build roads and you wonder, how is my job as important as, as the missionary? Or how is my job as important as the Christian teacher? But we need roads, right? We need roads to get from our homes and to the places where we gather with others throughout the week, with other believers. Or maybe you're in the medical field and you're, doing, you're a nurse or a doctor or uh, in counseling or something like that and you've wrestled with the thoughts of how ultimately you're just putting a Band-Aid on their problem and maybe even literally. And you're counseling or offering medical care to these people thinking that this is good, this is maybe even great, but what they really need is Jesus. More than medication, more than... Uh, some exercises to do, more than a band-aid. What they need is Jesus. And while it is true that your patient's or your client's greatest need is Jesus, God wants to use you to bring physical or mental healing to these people so that they will be allowed to stay alive, that they'd be allowed to even hear and understand and read and, and receive the gospel in their lives. And not only that, but it also, God uses physical healing all throughout our life to help us understand what he's doing through the gospel with spiritual healing. 
If we were just always healthy, if there never was any sickness or aches or pains or mental health challenges, and then we read in the Bible, God uh, saves us and he brings spiritual health and spiritual healing, we'd be like, well, what's spiritual healing? I'm just perfect. I don't really need anything. And so even, uh, even if you don't say anything, you in the medical field, just by bringing some type of healing, medical or mental or physical, you're embodying the gospel here. I remember I used to be an elementary school teacher at a Latino charter school, so we had mostly uh, English language learners and very, very high percentage of, uh, of uh, children that received free or reduced lunches. And I remember in the first couple years as being a teacher, I remember thinking, my job is just vanity. I remember thinking, I love these kids so much, but I can never speak the name of Jesus. I can never tell them the gospel. And felt like even though I was doing some good work, I was teaching them how to read and teaching them to speak English and other stuff that second graders need to learn. I felt as though uh, I wasn't, my job really didn't have any meaning. I had the care of 30 little souls for a school year. I was never able to mention Jesus, their greatest need. And in my heart, I often felt like it was a failure because I wasn't able to offer my students these children that I loved, the greatest thing that I had to offer them, which was the gospel. And yet again, Amy and I talked through the importance of my job and how it indirectly was, God was using it to able uh, to spread the gospel and help these kids grow. And if they were to come to Christ one day, or maybe they were believers already, if they were to grow and mature in their faith, they're going to need to be able to, to read. They're going to, going to need to be able to, to study the Bible and to be able to speak English and interact with the, the world around them and to share the gospel with others. And so indirectly, I was able to help them with that. I was able to teach them to read and to begin to speak English well. So many different examples, and we could continue to go on and on with many different types of work. But we need to know that work spreads the gospel through deeds even if we don't get the chance to use words. We cannot discount the importance of work in the spreading of the gospel. It is vital, it is necessary, and something we each can play a big part of. But, as you can guess, we're not going to just stop there. The gospel is a message. Words are important. And so while everything we've just said so far, don't forget that, it's good and it's true and it's powerful, and it's vital, and it's important, but it cannot just stop there. No one, no one finds Christ just because they had a really kind, generous, healing doctor. No one comes to repentance and belief in Jesus because they had a parent that was like God a lot, but never spoke the name of Jesus. So deeds, incredibly important, necessary, vital, but we can't just stop there. Romans 10 speaks of this. How then will they, so people who don't know Jesus yet, who have not heard the gospel, how then will they call on him, call on Christ, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, someone sharing in words this gospel, who Jesus is, what he did, what he offers them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So work spreads, God uses work to spread the gospel through deeds, but especially through words. So what are the ways that God uses work to spread the gospel through words? Many, many. We're going to talk about them now. First is, he gives you hours and hours and hours and hours with people. Whether it's classmates, whether it's teammates, whether it's clients, whether it's colleagues and coworkers whether it's children, whatever it might be, our work puts us in relationship with many, many people. And whether we like it or not, most of our jobs just force us to spend time with people. Probably lots of people that we don't even like or enjoy being around. But the more and more our culture moves away from Christendom or moves away from just everyone kind of understanding the Bible or kind of understanding who Jesus is, Christians in their jobs interacting with other non-believers is probably going to be the main way that we as Christians 
have influence with the world, on culture and on people who are far from Jesus. So we must become more and more prepared and strategic in our work to use that as opportunities to spread the gospel. In the New Testament, we're reminded as Christians, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we have commands here. Christian, if you're a Christian here today, we need to be prepared. When people in our co-op, people in our, in our, on our sports team, people in our classroom, colleagues, people in our neighborhood, when they ask, why do you have hope after this crazy election or after this stuff that's going on in our country or after you getting laid off or after something horrible happening sickness-wise in your family or whatever, when they ask you, why do you have hope? Really horrible situation, you're suffering, but you're not devastated. Why do you have hope? We as Christians are called to be prepared to have an answer for that. And we're supposed to do that with gentleness and respect. We speak to them, sharing the hope, not as people who think we're way better than people who don't know Jesus, but we do so with gentleness and respect. Two words that do not describe the way people speak to each other in our culture, especially people who are different than us these days. We're called to always be prepared to share the hope that we have in Christ and to do so with gentleness and respect. So our call as Christians, wherever our work takes us, is to be intentional with our coworkers, with our classmates, with our colleagues, with our teammates. See work, even if it's hard and stressful and life-sucking, See work as an opportunity for mission, an opportunity for you to share the gospel with others. Be intentional with those that God has placed in your life via work. So do things like go to your colleague's kid's birthday party. It might be something that sounds like a nightmare to you, but it's an opportunity for you to build a relationship with them. Make it to a happy hour when your work goes out after work. Go to the holidays party, holiday parties. Connect with others in your, in your class or wherever your work takes you. Make the most of every opportunity. We're also reminded and called to do this as Christians as well. Be, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Yeah, you really might want to do something different with your Saturday morning than go to a kid's birthday party. You really might not want to hang around with your colleagues as they begin to drink alcohol after work on a Friday. But we need to ask the Spirit, am I being called to go to this? Am I being called to build relationships with others so that I can spread the gospel through words in my work? Also, we kind of talked about this already, but... Now, not just through demonstration, but also through our words, we're able to spread the gospel in our work by taking whatever value that our work or our job or occupation has and showing how that ultimately points to the gospel, showing how the greatest version of that only comes through the gospel. So think about maybe you're in the medical field, and what you, if you're in the medical field, what you have dedicated your life to is to help bring healing and restoration and, and whole lives to people, physically and mentally. We can share with your colleagues, hey, this is something we've built our life around. This is something we love to do. This is something that we care the most about in our lives. We can share with them that that is actually, uh, no one ever gets healed for forever, right? You might heal someone. You might uh, fix a relationship. You might give them great medicine. You might do a great surgery. But eventually they get sick again. But wouldn't it be great if there was something that offered eternal healing? Wouldn't, that be, wouldn't, there, wouldn't it be awesome if there was something that actually gave life that lasted for forever? And so what the medical field highly values and puts all their life into, all their energy into, you can say there's something even better than that, something that's eternal, something that's spiritual. Or maybe you're in law and you devote your lives to bringing justice bringing truth and impartiality to those who need it. So you can share with your colleagues and people in, in, in your vocation 
that the gospel offers the ultimate truth. It offers perfect justice. It offers an honest and a righteous judge. And it offers the greatest version of impartiality. Right? So in our jobs, in our occupations, work, wherever God has placed us, we can find the good in them and share with the people that are working with us. Wouldn't it be great if there were judges that weren't impartial? Wouldn't it be great if there actually was justice for everyone? Let me tell you, there actually is. There actually is. It's not just something we hope a, a, a better politician can bring in or humanity just growing in our intelligence can fix, but there actually is a perfect judge. There actually is a great version of impartiality and perfect justice. Or maybe you're retired right now and you have spent your whole life working towards a time in your life where now you can finally have rest, re relaxation. You can finally have fun and recreation and personal freedom to do what you want to do. All great things, but again, they won't last or they're imperfect in this world. So share with your fellow people who are retired that there is, actual, there is actually an opportunity for eternal rest or the greatest amount of pleasure and enjoyment and fulfillment can come through Christ. Something that won't end as your health deteriorates and as you die. You can tell your fellow retired people that true and eternal freedom doesn't just come when I don't have a boss anymore, but true and eternal freedom can actually come through the gospel. So we can use our jobs and be able to show them, even if they think what we're saying is foolishness, even if they say, yeah, Jesus didn't raise from the grave, and yeah, I think Christianity is foolishness, or just wrong, or just stupid. You can at least show them that there is the greatest version of what we value in our career, in our vocation, in our job, and, and, and help them to say, well, I wish that was true. I don't think it is true. But actually, I really wish that the gospel were true because there is ultimate healing. There is perfect justice. There is freedom that cannot be taken away from me. So whatever our work, whatever our job, whatever our field, we can help spread the gospel by showing our colleagues, our coworkers, our classmates, our peers, how whether they realize it or not, the gospel is the greatest and ultimate version of whatever value they're putting their whole life into, about what they're working so hard towards. And in all of this, all this we've said so far today, Christian, we cannot forget that God has intentionally placed you where he wants you. So you might hate your job today. You might uh, be just waiting for the next thing, waiting for retirement, waiting for a promotion, waiting for graduation, waiting for your kids to get older. Whatever it might be, we cannot forget that God is sovereign over all this. He has intentionally, deliberately placed you where he wants you right now. The book of Acts speaks of this. The God who made the world and everything in it having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him. Even if your job is miserable, even if your stage of life is horrible, God cares about that, and he wants you there, at least for right now. So don't live for tomorrow. Don't live for the weekend. Don't live just for graduation or for a promotion or for retirement for the next job that you're hoping to get. You can work towards those, but know every single day that you wake up and step into being a full-time mom, step into being a full-time student, step into retirement or being a lawyer or teacher or whatever your job might be, God wants me here today. He has a plan for my life. He wants me to interact with these people. There's a reason behind it. My God is behind it. And be careful God does care about your circumstances. He does care about your suffering. But be careful about being a person who complains all the time, who complains about your job, complains about your teacher and your classes, complains about your, your boss, complains about your kids. That kills your witness. If Christians are constantly complaining about their lives, constantly complaining about the work that God's given them, it shows that we're forgetting all this other stuff that we've talked about this morning. So just be careful with your 
sharing of your circumstances and sharing about your suffering. God cares. Christian brothers and sisters do care. Let's be careful in our jobs and our works. We're not just known as people who whine and complain over and over again, as if we don't have a God that's in control, as if God's not using tough stuff, boring stuff, fruitless stuff in order for spiritually fruitful and great stuff. And then finally, just rest in God's wisdom and sovereignty. Until the day that you graduate, until the day you retire, until the day your kids are out of the house or in school, until the day you get that promotion or you get that next job. I'm not saying don't work towards them, but until that day comes, trust in God. Know that he has placed you there for a reason. So finally, where do we go from here? So how do we specifically answer this question about how does God use the gospel, sorry, how does God use my work to spread the gospel? How do we apply this to our lives today, especially to those of us who are Christians? If you're not a Christian here today, I'll address you in in, in just a second. But if you are a Christian here today, how can we answer this question? How can we use our work intentionally and deliberately? Start by inviting your coworkers, your classmates, your colleagues to church and invite them into Christian community, whether that's inviting them to a Sunday morning or into friendships with other believers or into your community group. Ask questions like, hey, how was your weekend? What did you do? And guess what? They might return that question. And you can say, well, I went to church. We talked about work. I gathered together with with, uh, my spiritual family and we had a meal together or whatever it is might be. Or think about what your coworkers or, or colleagues or classmates, what they're going through, and share when applicable what, what God's been teaching you through the church, through sermons, through community groups, through youth group, wh- whatever you're learning, and be able to share, hey, man, that, re- that really sucks what you're going through. And I've, I've felt similarly, but this is, this is what we've been learning about in church, and this is how I've been able to deal with what's going on in the world or with chronic sickness or with suffering in my life or whatever it might be. Share your experiences. Be bold and share your experiences about why and how the gospel has brought life to you and healing and friendship and community and hope all within the context of church and and Christian community. Also, work hard at connecting the non-Christians God has placed in your life with your spiritual family. So invite them to your community group. Invite them to your birthday party, invite them to going to see a show together, to a a game or whatever it might be. Try not to just be a lone missionary in your workplace or in your classroom or in your neighborhood, but connect the non-believers God's placed in your life with other Christians so that they can see, wow, you're kind of special and so are all these other people in your life. There's something unique about you. And that'll help them better understand and, and see the gospel. And then finally, just intentionally, deliberately think through what's just going on, uh, events that Hiawatha is putting on. We're not super big on events and create, you know, big uh, things to invite your friends to, and then we preach the gospel to them. That's not quite our philosophy of ministry, but we do a lot outside of Sunday mornings and community groups as well. So invite them to that, but also think about men's events and women's events or, or mops or a youth group event and think about hey, do I have coworkers, colleagues, classmates that also like that type of thing? Or it'd be a good kind of inroad. Maybe they wouldn't come on a Sunday morning, but they'd love to go paddleboarding in Lake Calhoun, or they'd love a theology on tap, or they'd love two hours of free childcare and to be able to talk with other mothers or preschoolers or whatever it might be. Secondarily, or secondly, see the full scope of how God has designed work. So everything we've talked about this morning, Work is so much more than just you making money so you can give to organizations that are spreading the gospel. It's partly that, but it's so much more than that. Work is so much more than God just giving you an opportunity to build relationships with non-Christians. It is that, but it's so much more than just that. See, the full way that God has created work to spread the gospel in word and in deed and encourage each other in that and then finally, and most importantly, believe the gospel yourself. So if you're not a Christian here today, this is for you as well as for those of us who are believers, who have been believers even for years or decades. All of our work, 
all the stuff we do, even evangelism, even sharing the gospel, even missional living and sharing the gospel with others, none of that saves you. None of that reconciles you to God. None of that gets your sins forgiven. Nor does it even gain favor with God. So don't let all we've talked about today just become another law, just become another burden, just become something, ah, I suck at that. Thanks, Spencer, for making me feel horrible. And now I know God just hates at me or is so disappointed in me because everything you said I've never thought about before or I'm just really bad at. Don't let all we've talked about just become a new burden or a new, new way of earning God's favor or God's ple- pleasure with us. Let me be very clear. Our work can never give us a true identity. It can never bring true and lasting fulfillment. It cannot bring us or give us food or drink that will fully satisfy us and take away our hunger and thirst. It can never give us possessions or treasures that last forever. Our work can never fix our greatest problem of sin and separation from God and death. And we can never work hard enough nor long enough, even in good things, to get back to God and to have our sins forgiven. Tell that to yourselves. Tell that to your loved ones. Tell that to your family. Tell that to your community group. Tell that to your church. And tell that to unbelievers in your life. You might be an incredible doctor, but one day you're not going to be anymore. You might be an incredible athlete, but one day you're not going to be that anymore. Our identities cannot be solely placed in what we do or in our work or in our vocation because that eventually will be gone. But there is an identity that we can have that can be never taken from us, and that is through trust in Jesus Christ. We can never work hard enough or long enough to get back to God or have our sins forgiven, but Jesus can, and he did, and he offers that to you today. Christian and non-Christian alike, listen to this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation comes through faith, through trust in Jesus and what he did, and it's by grace. You cannot earn it. You cannot work for it. This is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. It's not a result of works. It's not a result of hard work. It's not a result of brilliance. It's not a result of good mission, good evangelism, because if it was, people could boast. Listen to verse 10. Speaking to Christians, for we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And these good works God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we cannot get this wrong, Christian. Our work comes out of Jesus' work. Jesus saved us by grace alone, through faith alone. And then out of that, because of that, as an example of that, then we work. We cannot forget that. And we even see in verse 10 that God's even behind our work. When we are good missionaries, wherever God's placed us, when we share the gospel well in word and deed, God's even behind that. He's the author behind those good works. God's prepared those for us beforehand. So we don't even boast about those good works as well. We worship God and thank him that he has authored those good works before us, that he's prepared them before us. It's through Jesus' perfect life, his death in our place for our sins and his resurrection, Jesus has done the greatest work that we could never do, which is save ourselves. And through his work on the cross, he offers to us eternal rewards, eternal identity, an eternal relationship, eternal life, an eternal inheritance that his work has earned for us if we trust in him. And then finally, we're trying something new here at Hiawatha. During the month of July, we're doing something new called Work as Mission. We want to see our work as a part of God's mission to spread the gospel to the world. This is tough stuff. For some of us, all the stuff we talked about was very brand new to us. It's tough. It might be brand new, as well as Spencer and Chris and the other elders here at Hiawatha. We might not be the best people to help you practically figure out what does this look like for me in my particular job, in my work, and in my vocation. So we can understand like big picture stuff and all the stuff we talked about today, but how does this exactly look in 
law? How does this exactly look in healthcare? How does this look as a retired person, as a full-time student? And since us as pastors, we're not in all these vocations, we want to put you together in groups of people who are in the same vocation, who do the same work as you, to answer these type of questions, to just have conversations and learn from each other. How am I a Christian scientist? How does this work? How does my Christianity, how does the gospel inform the work that I do? How does being a stay-at-home mom or, or, or being a, a person in law or a retired person or a full-time student or fill in the blank, how does the gospel speak to my, uh, my particular job? So this is what we're going to do. Over the month of August, sorry, the month of July, we're going to give you opportunities to meet once with people in the same work or the same field as you. Meet once with them, and, and we're, we have leaders for each one of these groups you're just going to have a discussion and talk through a few questions. So I want to invite you to do this. And I'll give you the questions that you're going to talk through in just a second. You're going to just ask questions to help understand or, or, or learn from each other. How does the gospel speak to my vocation? How can I be missional? How can I spread the gospel in my particular field or in my work? And then just have a chance to pray with each other, pray with other Christians about your colleagues, about your classmates, about your coworkers. So these are the questions you're going to get asked. You're just going to get together for an hour. We want to invite you to this if this would uh, bless you, help you become, help you to see your work as a way to spread the gospel. You're just going to answer these four questions. What values or actions do we take as lawyers, as teachers, as engineers, as mothers, whatever group that you're in? What values and actions do we take that point to the gospel? Or another way to say this, how is the gospel the ultimate solution to the problem that our work, our vocation, or our job is trying to fix? And we did a few of these in the sermon today, but not that great. And you and these conversations in these groups can spend a lot more time on this and have much better answers. Secondly, you're going to ask, how do I use my occupation or my work to spread the gospel in word and in deed? Or just talk about what particular opportunities has it provided? You'll be able to talk with others in your field, others in your work who can say, hey, have you ever thought about doing this or this is the opportunity I've been given or this is how God has used me to spread the gospel as an engineer, as a, as a mother, as a retired person. Thirdly, you're going to just talk about and discuss what are the challenges and the benefits, both, on being a Christian in my field. And each field, each job, each work will have different challenges and different opportunities. And then who specifically can we pray for? So you're going to get a chance to pray with each other for the people that God has placed in your lives. So ask these questions among people who know your job, who know your occupation, who know your field, your life stage, and learn from each other. Discuss your own experiences. Ask your own questions that maybe have come up. So these are the groups that we have. Uh, Heidi Edwards is going to lead the one on design or art. Pete Gregory is going to lead one on law. Chris Thompson on education. Bonnie Kay is going to lead the one on people who do ministry vocationally or who get paid for doing ministry. Uh, Peter Carlson's going to lead the one on engineering or people in uh, fields of science. Leah Miller is going to lead the one for stay-at-home parents. Uh, if you're a boss or you're in some type of senior leadership at your job, Mark Edwards is going to lead that one. We have one for people in the medical field. Ellen Zimmerman is going to lead that one. If you're a student, uh, whether in middle school or high school or college, Tyler Howard's going to lead discussion on that one. If you're in social work or counseling, Jamie Leeper is going to lead that one. If you're a retired person, Dan Hoganson and Shelly are going to lead that one in their home. If you're self-employed or an entrepreneur and trying to figure out how does that work with mission, Laura Rhinus is going to lead that one. Kind of a catch-all, if you work in an office, if you do something with computers or software, I know this covers a lot of people, Caleb Zimmerman is going to lead this one. Or, we tried really hard, we know we failed miserably to catch everyone in this room. But if none of those fit you well and you just want to talk about your particular worker field, Jesse Splann is going to do the other category. So if this would bless you, if this sounds like a great resource for you to learn with other uh, Christians on how you can use your mission, to use your work to spread the gospel, find one of these groups or maybe even two groups, two max, but maybe there's two, maybe you kind of have your foot in, in two different, one of these uh, vocations. Uh, find one. So if you go through both of these doors, there's just little handouts that have a list of all these groups as well as uh, date, time, and location 
of where they're meeting. And so uh, contact that leader, say, hey, I'm coming, I'd like to be a part of this one, or talk to me, I can give you their contact info or find them on the city. We'll be announcing this work as mission throughout uh, July, reminding you of it and telling people who weren't here this morning. And what we want to do as leadership uh, in this church, we just want to help you just be better equipped to be on mission wherever God has placed you. We want to empower you and equip you to be able to do that. So let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you are a good God that gives us work as a gift and promises that work will no longer be uh, vanity, will no longer be uh, full of thistles and thorns and pain and suffering. But God, you promise that uh, through the gospel, you'll bring great healing and restoration through it, and you promise in eternity that work will be restored and redeemed. So God, help us as a church, uh, especially those of us who are Christians here today, help us to see our work as a way to spread the gospel in word and in deed. Fill out our understanding about what work looks like and how you're going to use it to spread the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.